Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Conor Gallagher, security and crime correspondent of the Irish Times. You had that story this afternoon about the government's plan for charter flights that would be used to deport people who failed in their asylum applications. Tell us how this is going to work, please. So Ireland has usually in the past relied on individual commercial flights to deport failed asylum seekers. So if someone is from Georgia or Algeria or wherever, they are, their asylum um, application is refused by the, the courts um, and they decide to do a forced deportation. They'll generally put them on a commercial flight, possibly accompanied, and send them back to that country. Um, Sorry, Connor. if I just stop you there, how could they do that if there are no direct flights from Ireland to somewhere like Georgia or Algeria? Well, you would, you would have some sort of connecting flight, I imagine. I, I'm not actually sure of the, the precise details of how, of how they did it. But now, um, with the increasing numbers of, of asylum seekers coming into the country and the increasing numbers of uh, rejections that go hand in hand with that, they've decided it will be economically viable to start uh, running dedicated charter flights. So, you know, if you have... Uh, uh, so many Georgians or Algerians or Nigerians who are all um, eligible for forced deportation, then they will charter a flight that will fly direct, well, possibly will stop off for refueling to those countries to do it. The idea is it's quicker and it's cheaper, and it's also part of the government's kind of attempts to present a tougher image on, on, on immigration um, since it's become such a hot-button issue for voters. Okay, so at present, how many deportation orders would be signed in a year and how many people would actually be deported by the, or deported by the state? Last year, there was about 800 deportation orders issued. So these are deep orders issued after someone has gone through all the appeal process for an asylum claim and has failed at every stage. Only 80 forced deportations uh, took place, um, uh, maybe a little bit more. But uh, so it's obviously, but that's about 10%, a tiny, tiny number. What the government would say there is people will often leave the country of their own volition uh, without telling authorities. So the number of people who actually self-deported would be much higher. We don't have figures for how much higher. The department has said the Garda Immigration Bureau has conducted a sampling exercise to determine what percentage of people are are self-deporting. And they say it is very high, but they haven't given figures. Okay. And these flights, when will they start? Well, it's in the very early stages. Uh, at the minute, uh, last late last year, the Minister for Justice, Helen McEntee, indicated that flights were going to start this year. That formal process started today when the Department of Justice, uh, through the Office of Government Procurement, issued a, a, a kind of a sounding exercise. So they're basically seeking... Uh, uh, market operators, i.e. airlines, to come forward and, and say what they can offer uh, to, do, to, uh, to carry out these flights. So we expect them this year, probably the latter half of the year, uh, if we're being realistic. Um, and these are flights that will be led by Ireland, but they might do them in conjunction with other EU countries as well. That's happened in the past. So it might originate in Dublin and might stop in Paris, Berlin, wherever, pick up other failed asylum seekers before going to a final destination. That final destination, though, would it be the country of origin where these people are leaving, or could it be somewhere else, such as the British have had their plans, for example, uh, to bring people who failed in their asylum applications to a third country, Rwanda? 
Yeah, that would be a very interesting question. We probably won't be engaging in deportation um, uh, activities with the British, considering they're no longer part of the EU. But I've no doubt that there will be human rights questions and possibly court challenges about where what a final destination is. Um, Legally, you know, they will only, a failed asylum seeker will have to go back to the country of origin because they won't have status in any other country. But it's possible we could see deportations to, uh, if someone say, uh, and I'm just picking Nigeria as an example, Nigeria went to France, made an asylum claim there, were granted refugee status or were denied refugee status in the appeals, then they came to Ireland. It's possible that we might deport them back to France where they will continue in the asylum process there, um, and, and then it'll be up to the French whether to deport them back to their their, their, their their native country. Thank you very much, Conor Gallagher, security and crime correspondent at the Irish Times. Immigration lawyer Cahill Malone is with us now. Uh, Cahill, how appropriate an action is this, given that it seems that when the state rejects an asylum application at present, it doesn't seem to be in a position to actually enforce deportation? Well, good afternoon, Matt. I mean, I think it's whether it's appropriate or inappropriate is perhaps more a question for the economists and the Department of Finance, because uh, I think it's a question, given that the Department of Justice are paying commercially uh, for deportations. I mean, if that's the stated aim, then we have to see whether the numbers stack up. But in reality, I think this is a distraction. And I think that Connor is quite correct to say that it's no coincidence that this is happening at exactly the same time that the minister is announcing um, what is what is the optics of a toughening up in respect of the entire immigration and asylum system. And again, I suppose, with, with one eye to the fact that we're in an election year with the, the locals due in June. Okay, also today, Minister for Justice Helen McEntee brought proposals to Cabinet to deem countries such as Algeria and Botswana as safe countries. What does that mean? So, uh, under the International Protection Act 2015, the minister may, by order, designate any country to be a safe country. Now, the test as to whether a country is a safe country is uh, whether on the basis of the legal situation uh, that there's a democratic system and um, that it can be shown that there is, and then the the legal test is generally and consistently no persecution, no torture or inhuman or degrading treatment uh, and no threat by reason of conflict uh, in that country. And if the minister makes that order, uh, and I should say the law requires that that designation to be kept under consistent review, um, then um, that really does affect the manner in which an asylum application for a national of that country would be treated. It does not bar somebody from that country uh, for applying for, for, for asylum in Ireland and indeed we couldn't do that in any event uh, under the Refugee Convention uh, which says that the rights of that convention should be without distinction of nationality. But what it does do as an example is it greatly speeds up the processing of the application. Um, And so what the minister has been doing since November of 2022 is saying that anybody from one of these so-called safe countries um, should really be put through the system as quickly as humanly possible. And to the extent that people are uh, getting their entire uh, asylum uh, claim processed within the space of, in some cases, six weeks. Um, Now, as a practicing immigration lawyer, I have some real concerns about that because I've seen cases, particularly in the case of Georgian nationals in Ireland, where the, the process has happened so fast that the individuals concerned have had no opportunity to access legal advice. And so they actually go through the whole process without a lawyer. But in any event, um, it, it, it speeds the process up and it also reduces your, the time frame for an appeal from 15 working days 
to 10 working days. And you also, um, it, there's a presumption that you, will, you won't get an oral hearing on your appeal. So it'll all be done on the papers. So again, a, a real effort uh, to get these people through the, the system and presumably out of the country as quickly as possible. I see the Department of Integration has said that the state is currently accommodating 3,110 people from Algeria and 709 people from Botswana, the two countries today deemed as safe countries. So they will have their process speeded up, will they? But what are the chances of them actually being allowed to stay or being deported? Well... The thing is, Matt, that this is perhaps the most curious thing about this entire news story today. I mean, I just gave you the quote about generally and consistently no persecution. Uh, and that's what has to be satisfied as a matter of law to designate as a safe country. Now, from Botswana last year, we had 370 uh, applications for international protection. At first instance, 11.2% of those were granted. It's more than one in 10. And of those that were refused, over a quarter of those uh, decisions were overturned on appeal. Um, and, and I should say that Algeria had a slightly higher grant rate at first instance. Botswana was 11.2. Algeria was 11.5. Now, those first instance decisions are made by the Minister for Justice. So on the one hand, we have Helen McEntee telling us today there is generally and consistently no persecution in Botswana or Algeria when she and her department gave over one in 10 people from those countries at first instance uh, protection in this country last year. And it's really difficult to see how both of those things can be true at the same time. I see there are currently 3,922 Nigerians seeking international protection in Ireland, 1,191 South Africans, but in particular, there are 3,774 Georgians. Georgia is on the safe list and has been there since November 2022. So if it's on a safe list, the presumption must be that it'll be more difficult for those people to successfully make an application in Ireland. So why then do they come here? Well, they come here because in many cases they are indeed at risk. And as I say, um, even looking at a country, you mentioned Georgia. Georgia is a country which was invaded by Russia a number of years ago. And a large chunk of Georgia remains under Russian occupation. Now, if you were fleeing... Uh, from the occupied uh, territory of Georgia, in which the Russian troops still are, and you come to Ireland, your nationality would be recorded as Georgian. So I, I, I really can't understand how we can continue to class a country, uh, part of which is occupied by a hostile foreign power, as being a safe country generally for people. Moreover, it is incredibly difficult to be a gay person in Georgia, and it, you know, reminiscent of some of the attacks that would have happened in Ireland during the 20th century that people will remember back when Ireland uh, would not be a safe country to be, to be out and gay. Um, and you, you also mentioned uh, Nigeria. Now, this is the really interesting tale, I think, to the minister's announcement today, because the minister said that as well as designating Botswana and, Al and Algeria, the department had considered designating two further countries, being Nigeria and Pakistan. Now, to my mind, I'm very glad, of course, that um, Nigeria and Pakistan were not designated. But, I mean, Boko Haram, uh, the, the terrorist Islamist group, are still operating heavily in the northeast of Nigeria. Uh, and Pakistan obviously still has uh, a lot of trouble, particularly in, in the border areas uh, where it shares a border with the Taliban Afghanistan. But, I mean, the, the idea that, that the department even considered adding a country like Pakistan or a country like Nigeria to the list really does boggle the mind. And one final thing, the Irish Examiner is reporting as well today... That 
that there has been a dramatic increase in the number of Ukrainians coming to the country over the last week or so who apparently want to get in before the 1st of February change to arrangements whereby they'll only be guaranteed accommodation from the state for 90 days and then would also have a lower rate of income thereafter. Is that surprising or is it that logical thing that if uh, Ukrainians feel that Ireland is going to be a less welcoming place financially for them that they would try and get in ahead of the deadline? Well, I mean, I think that's just human nature, Matt, to be fair. And if, if you ever set up a situation where there's a, a cliff edge or a hard cutoff, then you're always going to see people, if you telegraphed in advance, uh, uh, you know, seeking to take advantage of that. But again, you can't blame people. I mean, these are people who may be from, you know, a place like Mariupol, which has been flattened to the ground. I mean, there's nowhere for them to return to. They see that they may be here for the long haul. And in circumstances like that, you can't blame people for trying to improve their lot in life. Thank you very much for being with us, uh, telling us about the new legal position, immigration lawyer Cahill Malone. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.